Welcome to another inspirational message by Pastor Ron Hammonds, Senior Pastor at Golden Triangle Church on the Rock in Beaumont, Texas. For more information about Church on the Rock and Ron Hammonds Ministries, visit cotr.com. Well, welcome again to Church on the Rock today. You know, God has a word for us. It's a word for today. I pray that you would open up your heart, open up your mind, and let God speak to you today. It's going to be a little bit of a different word, a little stronger. I think normally I kind of try to save the real strong messages for Wednesday night because you can't hardly run those Wednesday night people off. <laughs> but on Sunday mornings, you know, there's some people that are kind of, you know, walking around right along the edge. And uh, so, but this morning, maybe a little stronger. Maybe, maybe it'll sound a little stronger than a normal Sunday morning fishing message. But uh, just open up your hearts and hear the Word of God. We're going to be coming out of Numbers chapter 33 if you want to get ahead. In fact, you can go ahead and read the whole chapter if you like. It'll, it'll probably encourage you to go to sleep. There's so many. Uh, uh, it's, it's, it's kind of a little redundant, the whole chapter of uh, Numbers 33. But you can get ahead if you like. Today, the message is going to be entitled 42 times. 42 times. Wow. That's how many times normally a preacher says at the end of his message, I'm closing. Okay, that's. <laughs> Are you ready? Uh, all right. You know, many of the accounts of the Old Testament were recorded by God to show us the way that God interacted with his children as he was hoping to take them into a promised land. He was hoping that they would follow him. He wanted to bless them, and, and he interacted with them. All throughout the Old Testament, we're given a picture of how God interacts with his children. These stories of the Old Testament, they provide us with a better understanding of how God works in our lives today. The Old Testament is not just a historical record. It does provide us with a great record of history, but it's also intended to be a roadmap for our lives, a place where we can go to get principles to see how they were lived out and how God worked in the lives of his children to bring them to his hope, to bring them to the promised land. It's a roadmap for us. We believe that God has a plan for our lives. We believe that. But you know, sometimes it can be really difficult to understand if the things happening in our lives are taking us closer to God's will or farther away from God's will. You ever wonder that? Have you ever felt like your life was going in circles? Well, when we face uncertain moments in life, as we all do, it can be very helpful to go back to the Old Testament and to find in the pages of that record how God dealt with people that were going through things similar to what you're going through. Hardships, difficulties, surprises. We can remember the life and times of those that God led through a different wilderness under the guidance of a man named Moses. You see, about 1,500 years before Christ, God delivered the Israelites from Egypt. He delivered them from bondage under Pharaoh and he led them to cross the Red Sea and, 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 and to journey out into the Sinai Desert. They were very happy. They had been set free from bondage, set free from slavery. They were very happy and they were on their way to a land flowing with milk and honey. But when they crossed that Red Sea and stepped into that desert, 
all of a sudden, <laughs> that barren wilderness was a surprise. It didn't look a whole lot like the land flowing with milk and honey. That barren desert did not look like a promotion. It kind of looked like a hardship to them. And so they began to complain. And even though they ended up causing their own trouble, or most of it, yet two million people wandering in the desert for 40 years was far less than anyone expected whenever they signed on to follow God. God gave us an account of their wanderings, which they weren't actually wandering. They thought they were wandering, and they thought they might be wandering, but it was a plan that God had. The Bible says that the children of Israel, they even grew weary because of the way which the Lord led them. You see, the Lord was leading them. To them, it might seem like God was schizophrenic. To them, it might seem like God didn't know what he was doing. Because of the way that he led them. He didn't lead them the quickest way. He didn't lead them the easiest way. He didn't lead them the shortest way. But God led them the best way. The best way he could. Because many of them were kind of hard to lead. You see, God's job is not easy. You might imagine God has an easy job because he's God and he can do anything. Okay, well, tell me about it. Because he's got you to work with. How easy is his job? He's trying to get a bunch of yous to do his will. How easy is his job? How successful was he yesterday, last night? How successful was he this morning with you? Well, okay. God led these two million people around in the wilderness for 40 years, and it was far less than any of them expected. There were plenty of complaints, there were a few wars, and a lot of people died under the leadership of the Lord. As well, it took a lot for God to feed, water, and lodge two million people in a desert. These were not just any People, these were stubborn and rebellious people. They were complainers in a desert, not to mention having to take care of their livestock. On top of all that, you can imagine how hard it was for God to get these two million people up on time, dressed, packed. They even had to pack their houses, well, their tents. They even had to pack up their big old church. And how hard it was for God to get them out on the road again and on the road on time to get where they needed to get on time to do what God wanted them to do. That was a pretty tough job. Plus, many of the Israelites made it a whole lot harder because they kept on telling one another that God and Moses just brought us out here to kill us. You know? I mean, they just kept on. Life was not always this bundle of joy on the way to the promised land. Now, a lot of people were happy. A lot of people were not complainers. A lot of people just did what they should do, as is the case always. But those few that were stubborn and rebellious and complainers and those leaders of those, listen, they made it difficult on everybody. Nonetheless, God continued to provide for them he performed an occasional miracle for them, sometimes just to show them who it was that they were following. Hey, I'm God. 
Come on now. Sometimes he'd show up in a cloud of lightnings and thunderings and he would speak out of heaven and, and then get them back in line. And sometimes he would do a miracle just because they needed something. They lacked something. There was something that they wanted and he would do something just absolutely amazing and, and just shock all of them. Near the end of the 40 years that they were in the wilderness, God commanded Moses to make a record of all the places that God moved them during that 40 years. From here to here to here to here. God said, Moses, sit down. I command you to make a record. Write down every place that you started out from and every place you ended up at and keep that record. We can read it. It is Numbers chapter 33. Okay? We can read it all this morning, but it's a lot of verses. So let's just read a few of these verses and set the stage for what God wants to share with us today. Numbers 33, reading from the New King James Version. Verse 1, these are the journeys of the children of Israel. Not the Starship Enterprise, I almost did that. These are the journeys of the children of Israel. Who went out of the land of Egypt by their armies under the hand of Moses and Aaron. Now Moses wrote down the starting points of their journeys at the command of the Lord. And these are their journeys according to their starting points. They departed first from Ramesses. That's in Egypt where they had been held captive and, and in bondage. They left Ramesses in the first month on the 15th day of the first month. On the day after Passover, the children of Israel went out with boldness in the sight of all the Egyptians. Okay? Now, they left Egypt. This begins their journey. If you follow on down verse after verse after verse, you'll see that they went from Ramesses to Sukkoth, and they went from Sukkoth to Etham, and from Etham to Pi-Hiroth, and Zephron, and, and Migdal, and, and uh, they went before Hiroth, and they passed through the midst of the sea into the wilderness, and then the wilderness of Etham, on and on and on and on. Verse 10 says, they moved from Elam and camped by the Red Sea. They just made a little circle and came back to the Red Sea again. I mean, sometimes it looked like, you know, they were just doing this. I mean... Every time they moved, it was a major deal. Can you imagine? I mean, every name that is named here in Numbers 33 was a major move. It's a major move to have to pick up your whole house. It's a major move to have to take all of your animals. It's a major move to take everything you got, including your big old church, and get two million people on the road marching through a desert to another city, to another place, to another town. Sometimes they went up into the mountains. Sometimes they stayed on the plains. Sometimes they went under the rocks and the cliffs. I mean, they went went around by the Red Sea, they came back to the Red Sea. They went up, you know, near Beersheba, they went around by the Dead Sea, they came back down. I mean, they went around and compassed the land of Edom. They went into Jordan. They went, I mean, they just went and went and went, okay? Verse 14 says, they moved from Elush and camped in Rephidim one time where there was no water for the people to drink. Hold on a sudden. Okay, they were just in verse 9 in a place where there were 12 springs and, and 70 palm trees. Now, God's moved them to a place where there's no water? Why would God move them to a place where there's no water? Well, I don't know that. But I know he did. And when they got there, they started complaining. In fact, you can read about that in Exodus chapter 17. The Bible, at that place, they got so upset with Moses that Moses cried out to the Lord in verse 4 and said, What shall I do with this people? They are almost ready to stone me. 
And so God told Moses, take your staff and go over and see that big rock there that's sticking up on the plains in Sinai. You hit that big rock with your staff. And when Moses did, the Bible says that water came forth from the rock. I read reports this week all the way back to 1823, whenever some young men were there diagramming this rock that they believed to be that rock. And where there are 12 holes on each side of this rock and a, and a big split down through the middle, a huge rock. And, and it, can you imagine? how much water had to come out of that rock to, to, to make a river as it were. Psalm says it made a river. You have to put all these things together from all the different places that it made a river in the wilderness to make, make, make a water available to all the children of God. A couple of million people. Whoa, what a river. What a rock. It looks like they just stayed there, but they didn't. Verse 15 says that they departed from Rephidim and camped in the wilderness of the Sinai back out to the desert again. Back in the Sinai. Looks like they're going in circles here. They moved from the wilderness to Sinai and camped and on and on and on and on. All the way down to verse 38. Verse 37 says they moved from Kadesh and camped at Mount Hor. Which was on the border of the land of Edom. That's in southern Israel. It's in the Negev. Okay, when you go to Beersheba, keep going south toward Egypt. That's the land of Edom. Edom is Esau. He is the brother of Jacob and God didn't want Jacob's descendants and Esau's descendants fighting one another. He didn't want brothers fighting one another. So he led them around the whole land one time and it made the Israelites so upset. Why are you leading us around with there, There's a road right there. We could get on and go right there. And God said, Nope, I want to lead you around because I don't want you fighting with your brothers. The Bible says the people were much wearied because of the way the Lord led them to compass the land of Edom. Well, verse 38 says, Then Aaron the priest went up to Mount Hor at the command of the Lord. God commanded everything, by the way, every step. And there Aaron died in the 40th year after the children of Israel had come out of the land of Egypt on the first day of the fifth month. And Aaron was 123 years old when he died in Mount Hor. That goes to help us know that Aaron, the older brother, was about three to four years older than Moses. If you ever wondered, there's the scripture that you can find out, okay? Because it's in the 40th year since they departed Egypt Moses was 120 years old at this time, and Aaron was 123 when he died. Well, normally you would stay at a place when somebody that important died for a long period of time. Verse 39 tells us, or 40 rather, says, Now the king of Arad, the Canaanite, who dwelt in the south in the land of Canaan, heard of the coming of the children of Israel. Verse 41, So the children of Israel departed from Mount Hor and camped in Zalmona. I mean, sometimes God would move them to avoid war and sometimes God would move them to engage in war. I mean, man, God had a master plan. God knew what he was doing. They didn't know. And because of that, Many times they could lose sight of the fact that they were going somewhere, that they had a promise from God and, and, and that this promise was real and God would work miracles to show them that I'm, I'm God, I can do this, just follow me. But it wasn't easy leading all these people because they would lose sight of the fact that they were following Almighty God and that he had a plan for their life. You can continue reading the rest of, 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 of all their journeys. We get down to verse 48 and it says... They departed from the mountains of Abiram, 
and camped in the plains of Moab by Jordan across from Jericho. Right? Now, right across the Jordan River from Jericho, just north of the Dead Sea, right there in Moab, this is the place where Moses is going to die. This is the place that Joshua is going to take over. This is the place that they're going to stage this assault across the Jordan River into the land of Canaan, into the promised land, and begin conquering and begin inheriting the land. Man, they went a long way. They went a lot of places, didn't they? Wow. The stories of the book of Exodus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, if you read all three of them, they overlay one another and almost make a 3D, if you will, a picture of all that went on. You have to put Exodus and Numbers and Deuteronomy together to understand all the variations of what was going on in this time. And, and uh, you know, it, it's an amazing picture of God's divine intervention in the lives of his children. During the 40 years that they were in the wilderness, God moved the children of Israel, a major move, 42 times. Now, get with me on this. Okay? Some of you think you've moved around a lot, okay? <laughs> During the 40 years that these million and a half, two million people and all their livestock. During the 40 years that they followed God in the wilderness, he moved them 42 major times where they had to pick up everything they owned and take it with them and do it in a hurry. It kicked up a lot of dust. It didn't make them happy. Sometimes they went to a place where there was water and sometimes they didn't. Sometimes they went to a place where there was war and sometimes they didn't. Sometimes they went north. Sometimes they went south. Sometimes they went east and sometimes they went west. And then they would go south again and north again and east again and west again. Why? Because it was a pretty small place. Look at it on the map. It's just a little piece of land. And the whole time, they were so close to the promised land. Ooh, they were right on the border of it most all the time. I mean, just one step. They'd have been, just like me and you, we're so close to the promised land, just one step, boom, we'd be there. Well, what made them move so much? Numbers, the ninth chapter. Verse 18, at the command of the Lord, the children of Israel would journey. Why they moved? They moved because God moved. <laughs> at the command of the Lord, the children of Israel would journey. And at the command of the Lord, they would camp. As long as the cloud stayed above the tabernacle, they remained encamped. And when, even when the cloud continued long, many days above the tabernacle, the children of Israel kept the charge of the Lord and did not journey. So it was when the cloud was above the tabernacle a few days, according to the command of the Lord, they would remain encamped. And according to the command of the Lord, they would journey. So it was when the cloud remained only from evening until morning, when the cloud was taken up in the morning, they would journey. Whether by day or by night, whenever the cloud was taken up, they would go. Okay? They went with the cloud. When the cloud moved, they moved. 
When the clouds stop, they stop. If it stopped for a day, if it stopped for a night, if it stopped for an afternoon, if it stopped for a week, if it stopped for a year, you continue reading there in that passage. It'll say whether it was a year, a month, a week, or a day. They went with God. Okay? Well, today, I want to share five truths about a move of God. Because when God moves, we need to. Amen? Oh, come on. This is going to get good. Okay? So we may as well learn something. Put your, put your I'm going to learn something on, on your head because this is where it's going to get very practical. This is where it's going to get on your toes. You may want to pick your feet up. Okay? Somebody told me one time, uh, Pastor, you're stepping on my toes. I said, your toes shouldn't have been there. Okay? <laughs> All right. Are you ready? Okay. Five truths about a move of God. Now, remember, we are drawing this from the experience of the Israelites. God didn't just write this as a record for history's sake. He wrote this as a roadmap for us. When we are going through life, we can look back into the Word of God and find ourselves in some account of what the children of Israel were going through. And we can use that account to put ourselves in that story. And if we do and we find out that we're not the people that we really want to be, then we can change characters. But we have to change it in us because the truth is the truth. Are you ready? Five truths about a move of God. Number one, every move we make in this world is only from one part of a desert to another. We can see that they moved 42 times, but they were still in the same desert. Every time they moved, it was just another place in the same desert. That's the way it is with us. We are in this world. We are in this life. And as long as we are in this wilderness, which we call life, as long as we are in this death, which we call life, until life swallows us up, every move we make is just going to be from one place in this desert to the next place. Oh, sure, the next place might have a little more water. The next place might have a little more greenery. But, but it could be that God only leaves us there for a day and moves us to another place. That's the way life is. Every place we move. There is no greener grass on planet Earth, by the way. No geographical cures. I know my father was an alcoholic, and we moved about every three or four months. I went to four different schools in the third grade and moved another time before that year was over. Geographical cures are non-existent. Okay? At times, it can seem like life is going in circles. Have you ever figured that out? Have you ever felt like God was right in the middle of your life? And oh my goodness, I'm going in circles. It seems like I keep coming around to the same place. There's no lasting future for anyone on planet earth anyway. And if you live long enough, you will see. If you live a full life, you will see three generations die. That's the truth. Without God's guidance, we may as well be rearranging deck chairs on the Titanic. We're just marking time in a desert without God's guidance because this world is not where it is and nothing you can gain outside of the will or the guidance of God is going to last anyway. So without God's guidance, let me tell you, life is meaningless. If we do not make it to our destination, life will have been for nothing. Everything is for nothing unless we make it to heaven. Come on now. We're in a wilderness and you can't even stay here. 
You can move all over this wilderness. You can go from one marriage to another, from one job to another, from one relationship to another, from one hope to another, from one, and you'll still be in this wilderness. The best we can hope for is to be under the guidance of God and let God move us as he wills and not us move trying to find a way out of the wilderness. God knows a way in the wilderness. He knows a way through the wilderness. He is able to lead us. He is able to feed us. And he can perform the necessary miracles that we need from time to time when we are following him. Following God doesn't make it easy. Sometimes the will of God can be difficult. But let me tell you, God does not always move us for us. Sometimes he moves us for others. Sometimes God moves us to get us out of the way. And sometimes he moves us to get us in the way. Sometimes he moves us to avoid war. And sometimes he moves us to engage in war. We're not smart enough to move ourselves. And we need to stop trying. And we need to not lose sight of the fact that we're going somewhere and that God has a plan. Don't murmur. Don't complain. Don't be stubborn. Don't be rebellious. Follow God. Number two, God's way is the best way even when it's not the quickest way or the shortest way. Trust God. Just trust. If it's God, go with it. If, if, if it's not God, don't. His way is the best. Don't think there are any shortcuts. Don't try to cut through, through, through an alley. Don't try to go a way that God won't bless. You cannot accomplish the will of God by going outside of the word of God. Hello. You can't lie and cheat and steal and get something that God wants to give you and him be happy with it or him bless it. God's way is the right way, even when it's not the quickest way, the shortest way, even when it's not your way. You see, it's his timing, it's his way, it's our walk. And our lives in God's hands is a walk of faith. Don't lose sight that God has the master plan and he knows the way through the wilderness for you and your family. Number three, there are benefits to being under the cloud. You see, that's why they moved, because the cloud moved. Okay, cloud move, you move. You look around one day and God's not with you anymore in that place, you need to get somewhere else. That's the way it works. God determines. It's not whether we like it or whether we don't. It's not whether it's meeting our needs or not. It's not whether there's water here or no water here. Whether we're in an oasis or whether we're back at the Red Sea or going in circles. That's not the point. The point is, is that when the cloud moves, you move. Why? Because there is shelter and shade under the cloud. There is warmth and light under the cloud. It was a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. Do you know not one Israelite ever needed a flashlight in the wilderness? Every night the light came on. Whoo, I love that. Every time I've been in a nighttime, the light came on. If you're in a nighttime and the light's not on, you might not be under the cloud. Come on, get somewhere where the light comes on. <laughs> I'm not mad or anything, but I'm preaching. 
There's protection and provision under the cloud. There's health and wealth under the cloud. There's benefits to, to going with God instead of choosing your own way, thinking God will catch up to me later. Health and wealth. Do you know for those 40 years, the Bible says, their feet never swelled in the desert? Now, that's a miracle. God gave them divine health under the cloud. And on top of that, the Bible says their shoes didn't even wear out. Now, he, he's not, you know, the God of fashion, evidently. But he is the God of making your stuff last. They walked out of that wilderness in the same shoes they walked into it with. 40 years later. Look like some of you on your way to church. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Better. Poke your friends and say he's talking about you. Okay. Hey, and under the cloud, there is divine leadership. You never wake up wondering whether or not God's with you or not. There's divine leadership under the cloud. Oh, just staying under the cloud in the presence of God, knowing God's with you and knowing you're where God wants you to be, even when it's not easy, even when it's tough, even when you're, you're, you're having to you know, be supplied. Listen, there's bread from heaven under the cloud. There's provision. When you are where God wants you, then God's going to take care of you. Okay? Life may not be easy. There may be wars to fight. And there may be a whole bunch of stubborn, rebellious, complaining people around you trying to get you to do something else. But hang with God. Number four, every journey comes to an end. Wake up and realize that this one will too. Every journey comes to an end. Listen, uh, it's, we're headed somewhere. Somewhere that there'll be no pain, no sorrow, no worry, no fear, no frustration, no stubbornness, no rebellion. We are headed somewhere. We are headed to a wonderful, wonderful place. And one day this journey in this wilderness is going to end. And when it does, I want to be at the right place where I can step across that Jordan and I can inherit. Praise God. Keep yourself in, under the cloud of God because one day this journey is going to end and it may end without notice. It may end without anyone else telling you, make sure you're born again. Make sure you are born again because unless you make it to heaven, everything you have done, every war, every pain, every frustration will have been for nothing. We are always so close to stepping over into the promised land. You don't want to go early. That's not the will of God. But you won't be late. We are waiting on God. God is waiting on us. Number five. Without regard as to how long our wanderings in this wilderness last, our time here is short by any reckoning. Let me encourage you this morning to stay under the cloud, to keep the dream alive. Don't lose sight of the fact that God has a master plan. He's leading you day by day through this life we call a wilderness. Some days are going to be happy and some days are going to be sad. Some days are going to be filled with plenty and some days are going to be lack. Some days you're going to enjoy where you are and God's going to say, I need you here. And some days you're going to hate where you are and God's going to say, stay. Make sure you stay under the cloud of God. 
Only God knows the way through the wilderness. It can tear our hearts out at some times to realize that something is over that we didn't want to be over. Or that God is requiring something from us that we had rather not do. But keep in the forefront of your mind that God has a master plan and that his leadership is vital. His divine leadership is available by the Holy Spirit in your life. The Holy Spirit will speak to you and confirm the word. You never have to wonder, you never have to worry as to whether or not you are in God's will. You can know the will because it's the word. And the Holy Spirit will bring conviction, encouragement, instruction to you. Open up the Word every day. Eat from the Word of God. Ask the Holy Spirit for guidance in your life. And when God leads you and where He leads you, don't be afraid. Don't lose sight that He has the master plan and that He knows the way through the wilderness. Life is not just going in circles aimlessly. God will lead you. God will feed you. And God will perform the occasional miracle that you need in life. He knows what he's doing. And you're the best he has. You are his children. Don't make his job any harder than it already is.